we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we are freezing in an ice-cold tundra of... We're just... We've been doomed to Hoth. It's it's just so cold that you walk out... to Hoth. Yes. It's so cold outside that you sneeze and you have snot sickles. It's just that bad. The, the weather service keeps classifying it as a squall, but yes. if it just keeps happening with pauses in between, I don't know that that's a squall. It's yeah. more of like a Sephiroth. But yeah. It, yeah, uh... pretty much. But at this point, I want my Tauntaun because my, my vehicle just doesn't look that cool. It's covered in dirt and salt and all sorts of other things. But that's not the point. That's not the reason we're here. The reason we're here is to talk about something amazing and awesome. And, well, we have some amazing guests with us tonight. We got Randall, we got David, and I'm probably going to botch the name Rami. 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 I apologize. I knew I was going to botch it just by looking at the A. <laughs> Don't worry. Everyone gets it wrong. I've gotten so used to it, I can give Adina Menzel tips. That's awesome. <laughs> I believe you mean Adela Dezim. Thank you. <laughs> I just love that people still find that, that joke funny all these years later. Oh my gosh, it's still hilarious. I still refer to Benedict Cumberbatch as a Brenda Derp Crumble Scrunch. So <laughs> it's, it's okay. Yes. <laughs> However, I did realize something while watching uh, the, new, the latest Spider-Man movie that both Sorcerer Supremes are named Benedict. Mm. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Wong. Yeah. Also, spoilers. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'll see that movie soon. Way to go. <laughs> I didn't let go of anything else that was cool. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that's how we're going to keep it because this is not that episode. It's not that episode. It's so, not that episode. We shouldn't mention Batman shows up. Oh, Batman shows up. That was so awesome. I think Most you mean of- Morbius. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> So we've got some cool things to talk about. We've got an amazing anthology here uh, that's on Kickstarter right now, which is doing fairly well that Alton may or may not have backed um, while we were prepping for this show. Uh, so let's let's kind of dive into it. Uh, I definitely, I, I like the name, but I want you guys to, to take in, jump in and, and give us the name of the anthology and kind of what it's about and what you guys are hoping to achieve here. Take it away, Randall. Okay, well, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, so uh, the, the title of the anthology is That Which Cannot Be Undone. Uh, when we first uh, were getting together and thinking about, well, we want to do an anthology, uh, one of the first things we wanted to do was just come up with a really cool title, uh, which also just happened to thematically uh, work uh, as well. Nice. Um, and we wanted, the, we wanted all the stories to be written by Ohio-born authors. They don't have to live here in Ohio uh, now uh, in their age, but uh, we did want them to be born here at least uh, and grown up. Uh, and all the stories need to take place in Ohio. Uh, they could feature a famous Ohio haunted place, that kind of thing. Um, or it could be something completely different, uh, but it does need to take place within the borders of Ohio. And why this fascination with Ohio? Uh, well, we're all from here. And, uh, and we thought, well, that might be a, a good way for us to, you know, because there's a lot of amazing uh, uh, author. I mean, there's just a lot of amazing talent uh, here uh, in Ohio and from Ohio. Um, and, uh, and some of the authors that we have on board, uh, it's 
it's pretty staggering, um, you know, that we were able to get some of these folks. We're, we're super psyched about it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen on the list, there's a whole bunch of Bram Stoker award winners and, and some, even some names that I already recognize, which is kind of fun to see. And, and to be fair, Ohio is just scary. Like the, the, I, the first time I went there, I almost got attacked by a rabid raccoon. I got out of my car. I put a candy bar up on top, went to grab my suitcase, and there was a raccoon sitting Dude, on top. Dude, that was there. someone's Yorkie. Be cool. It was a raccoon. Uh, you know what? Uh, and we're, we're well on our way to talking about some cool things. And then it occurred to me, uh, folks at home listening to, listening to the podcast, they cannot see that we have three guests on here with us. And you mentioned their names previously, but I'd like to just go quickly and ask each of you to tell us who you are and what your role in this project has been so far. Uh, David, let's start with you, please. Sure. So I'm David Day. Uh, I have uh, lived in Ohio pretty much all of my life. Um I have been writing for many, many years, and I have one novel out there. I have a handful of short stories out there as well. Uh, I actually came in, I was the last one to join the project, Crack Skull Press. So I came in kind of at the tail end. Um, as far as role, um, we're all trying to share equally in the work and planning and all that. So I don't know that there's, I think in the Kickstarter, we were allowed to give ourselves titles and I called myself existential crisis coordinator, but you know. <laughs> and, and how have you coordinated those crises? Has that been going well? Well, I keep trying to put them together, but nobody shows up. Nobody seems to be interested in any more existential crises right now. So what if someone held an existential crisis and no one showed up. Right. Uh, <laughs> awesome, awesome, thank you. Uh, Randall, take it away. Uh, Randall Drum. I've uh, been writing off and on, gosh, since I was a teenager. Uh, mostly horror, some some light sci-fi. Um, and when I say light sci-fi, I mean the sci-fi that just never worked and nobody ever wanted to read. Um, so I stick with the horror. Um, uh, I've got some, uh, some short stories out there, um, uh, some flash fiction. Uh, lately, I would say for the past uh, three years, I've been more focused on screenplays. Um, and those obviously take a little longer to get out into the world. So I don't really have anything that's out there in the world yet in that realm. Um, but uh, I am looking forward to the day when, uh, when they are. Uh, and my role in the project is similar to David's, um, uh, although I, I prefer to cause the existential crises. Um, but um, yeah, other than that, I mean, we're all pretty much equal in, in, in terms of uh, you know, what we bring to the table and, and how we're approaching the project. So. Awesome, Rami. Hi everyone, my name is Rami Unger. I've lived in Ohio pretty much my whole life, except for maybe the first four years. Um, I write primarily horror and dark fantasy. I've got uh, three books out in paperback and ebook, and I have two more coming out uh, in 2022, plus short stories in a bunch of different um, anthologies and magazines. And uh, yeah, we try and divide the roles up as evenly as possible among us. Uh, I be, will say that I've been involved with this project since um, the very first discussions uh, came along. I think I set up the very first Zoom meetings and I did a lot of work in setting up the Kickstarter campaign even before we launched. 
Awesome. Now, it just so happens that that I am a fan of the horror genre, and uh, I love projects like these. The three of you are spearheading this project, and I, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like at the heart of all of it, the, what was the driving force behind this project specifically? Why did this matter to you so much? Uh, I think it's because um, we're all full, pretty uh, proud of Ohio. We are pretty proud of the horror community here, as well as just being Ohioans. And uh, we wanted to emphasize how many great writers are here. Some of them have, are really big up and comers. Um, but when you think of horror, you think of mainly Maine, uh, New York, New England, <laughs> Old England. So we wanted to uh, change the conversation a bit and be like, hey, this state of Ohio, uh, it's known for something more than just sports teams and cornfields. I don't know what you're talking about. When I think about horror, I think of Santa Carla and really attractive vampires. I, I also um, want to call out that uh, our, we have a fourth member um, of uh, Crack, Skull, uh, Crack Skull Press who is not able to join us this evening, uh, uh, Ray Pantel. And uh, he has also done an amazing amount of work uh, towards uh, driving this uh, uh, project forward. Um, uh, in fact, I, I, yeah, the guy's just amazing. He's nonstop. He's amazing. Um, yeah. he's, he's working really hard for it. And, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be more uh, appreciative uh, of all of his efforts as well. Uh, I, I, and I wish he could be here tonight. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. he is not. Ray's gone he, above and beyond. He, yeah. he needed a little time off from all the work he's been in. <laughs> he but like Rami's been a whirlwind of activity. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Mm. Um, but as Rami said, we, uh, we wanted to uh, highlight some of the voices um, in horror that are known, uh, but we also wanted to bring in some, uh, some voices that might not be as widely known. Um, you know, for example, uh, in terms of Stoker award-winning authors, uh, we've got people like Tim Wagner, um, who you know, a lot of people know him uh, from his, his, you know, his fiction, but then also the fiction that he's written for, uh, oh gosh, he's written in the Alien franchise. Uh, he's written in the Supernatural franchise. Uh, he wrote uh, the, uh, the adaptation of H, uh, was it the Halloween Kills? Uh, the latest yeah, Halloween. the novelization. Uh, yeah, the novelization of that. Uh, we've also got Lucy Snyder, uh, multi-Stoker Award winner, uh, Gary Bronbeck, uh, uh, Gwendolyn Kist, um keelan patrick burke um megan hart yeah megan hart who's megan a new hart. york times usa uh best uh, uh usa today bestseller uh we've also got uh, some other folks that are just amazing and i can't wait to read their stuff weston kincaid uh jay thorne uh, uh go cleveland and uh, uh ty schwamberger uh and i mean just this there's there are many more uh that uh that are in uh, in, in, in for a penny and for a pound in this project. And we're, we're so happy, so happy about it. At this point, I mean, uh, by the way, that, that's a wonderful list of, of names. At this point, uh, how many stories are there for your anthology from how many authors? Well, we initially started with the idea that we were going to have 20 stories. Um, and it looks like, uh, and, and they would be from 20 individual folks. Um, 
And it looks like uh, if everything works out, we're probably going to have in the neighborhood of 21 or 22. Um, and, uh, and, and, these, and, and these involve some of the authors that we've reached out to uh, that haven't uh, necessarily gotten back to us uh, yet. Uh, so there, there will be some more updates coming on the Kickstarter, hopefully very soon uh, with some more new names. I'm, I'm looking forward to what happens in the new year. Yeah, I think this, this, the holidays, I think some people are just kind of difficult to get a hold of this time. Yeah. I mean, that's really amazing. And, and it's, it's neat to have so many names on here. And it's, it's great to have, you know, for people that are all lifting at the helm like this. So I'm really curious, what was the thing that brought the four of you together? And then from there, how have you, you know, contacted this bevy of people? How did you convince them, coerce them, persuade them? Or was it just good looks and charm that, you know, is gluing the whole project together? Might have been Randall's good looks, definitely. It, it's well, it wasn't the hair. Um, uh, <laughs> and, and for any listeners, I am as bald as they get. Um, uh, I think what brought us together uh, was the fact that, you know, we, we, we share uh, some writing community uh, together, uh, both online and in person. I've known uh, David, well, off and on, really, uh, for many years. And we just reconnected uh, within the past uh, couple of years. Uh, Rami, I've known off and on for a couple of years as well. Uh, Ray as well. Uh, I know David and Ray have been, uh, I think, in the same writing group for yep. how many years now? Going on three years now, I think. Yeah. 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 So, you know, we just kind of, you know, in the, the horror community, like any, you know, uh, writing or artistic community, um, it's, 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 it's expansive, but, you know, when you think locally, it's actually pretty tight. You know, everybody yeah. just kind of knows each other. Um, in terms of getting some of these uh, uh, amazing talents uh, that we have um, uh, committed to the anthology, it's a matter of, well, we know them. We've, we've talked to them over the years at different conventions, uh, attended workshops of theirs, um, uh, that sort of thing. And, you know, you, these are just contacts that you make. Um, gosh, I mean, I know, I've known Tim Wagner for over 10 years now, I think. Um, and not like we're, you know, going not to lunch or anything, but, uh, when we see each other at cons and that sort of thing, it's like, oh, Hey Jim, Hey Randy, how's it going? Um, and, and similarly with Lucy and Gary, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Lucy actually attended my birthday party last year. So look at you. <laughs> very, very neat. Been, we've, we've just asked and it's yeah. the response has been really positive so just knowing these people over the years and just just asking and being transparent with them about what the project is about all that has yep. and you know the free beer helped yeah definitely <laughs> not a bad thing you know and it's funny it's funny that you mentioned transparency because that's one of the other things that i personally look for in kickstarters that i really appreciate you guys have done here um for for anybody if you still have not yet pulled up Kickstarter, please do so now. I give you permission to be looking through this as we're talking, but um, uh, meaning you, the listener. Um, that's right, James or Errol or whoever is listening. We'll choose somebody. All three of you um, listeners, look this up. <laughs> yeah. You have more but, than three listeners. Come on. But you know, you know you've, you've, one of them's here. So that's true. John, Mary, Chris. Yes. It becomes Perfect. a rump room episode instantly. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. So you're trying to raise, you know, the, the, the initial funding goal is $10,000. And if you scroll about halfway down the page, 
you guys are going to see this big, beautiful pie chart that breaks down exactly where it goes. And it's very clear that you're making sure that your authors are being compensated, your editors being compensated, your design and artists are being compensated. Like being able to disclose that upfront of this is where that money goes. That's fantastic. And, and that to me instills a lot of confidence in the project, but hopefully also everybody who's working with you, that level of transparency is really important too. Why is it that you're aiming for that 10 grand goal? What is it that that gets you? Oh, let's see. Uh, well, that just gives us a lot of room to work with. It allows us to pay the authors well, to pay our editor well, uh, to do all the marketing that could possibly come up, as well as just come up with, with the money for any incidentals that might come up. Like if we want to uh, do something different that we hadn't thought of to promote uh, the book, or if we uh, need a bit more cash for a bit of formatting, a bit of uh, cover art, whatever works. Or maybe just even mailing uh, the perks. I mean, you're, you're definitely in good company here. So uh, we've, we've talked on the show quite a bit about how, you know, art isn't just throwing words onto a page, right? Mm-hmm. Like anybody can write, sure, but that's different from authoring a work. That's different from taking something from concept to completion and doing that is not cheap. You can't just do a print run of 10 books and be fine with it. And even if you could, it's probably not worth the hours and months of effort that goes into making a product that's actually worth putting on your shelf. So it's great to see a Kickstarter that's thinking ahead, planning for those things. I think this is going to be a really high quality thing. And there's a lot of really interesting pledge levels. What are some of the things that you guys are excited about that, that you've brought in to help sweeten the pot and incentivize people to, to come and join? Oh, uh, there are quite a few. Uh, one of my favorites is one of the higher pledges. It's uh, uh, Gary's Gory Goodies Pledge. And that's where uh, Bram Stoker winner Gary Brownback uh, writes people into his stories and probably kills you off in in a horrific manner which for any horror fan i don't know a single horror fan that would not love to be in a friday the 13th film and killed off of in gory fashion by jason so oh i could it kind of the same concept here you also get a copy of his uh, book there comes a midnight hour and a cd of reading a story of your choosing among other things so it's a pretty sweet eat uh it's a pretty sweet deal there's also uh the baphomet bash pledge uh we're gonna have a private uh release party for this book some of the authors will show up uh to this party so you could be able to go to that party with a plus one. And that's uh, our highest pledge at the moment. And already one of them is gone. So you got three spots left at the, the time of recording. Uh, better get on that before or you lose any chance to meet your idols. Yeah, there are only four of those uh, available, just so you guys know, listening at yep. home. So yeah, there's three out of four left. And it does sound like an absolute blast. 
Yeah, I think my uh, my favorite pledge uh, that we came up with was the the terrors of the Buckeye State pledge, um, which uh, in, includes you know a listing in our donor section because we're going to have a, a section in the uh, anthology in which we call out, hey, here's all the people that donated to us, you know, because we thank them uh, for doing so. Um, an ebook, you know, we have some swag that we're going to be including, uh, a paperback that's going to be signed by everybody. Um, and, uh, and also a short story edited by our editor, uh, who I apologize, I did not mention her earlier. Um, uh, our editor is Jess Landry. Uh, she's also a, a Bram Stoker winner. Um, but uh, part of that pledge is uh, getting a short story edited by her uh, up to 5,000 words, uh, which that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, phenomenal. And uh, we've, we've got two of those. Uh, one of those is taken, so there's one left. So the terrors of the Buckeye State Pledge. If you want a story uh, edited by uh, a Stoker Award-winning uh, 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 editor and author, there you go. You know, David, I'm, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, we heard we heard from Rami. We heard from Randall. Yeah. I got to hear David's too. Sure. So um, Rami kind of got at it with uh, uh, the Gary Brombeck reward with the Tuckerization. But there were several of those. I'm not sure how many of the other ones were left, but several of the authors agreed to do the same thing. And I just, I think it's wonderful to be able to pull and bring the, the fans and the backers into the work itself, into the project itself and give them more opportunity to, to feel like they're participating somehow. So uh, Rob Boley was, had a couple out there. Um, help me out guys, who were the other ones? Um, uh, Megan, I think Megan, Megan, Gary, Megan had um, several. Gary, Lucy, Lucy did Tim, as well. Uh, Tim yeah. McWhorter, Tim McWhorter as well. So, um, I just, I just think that's so cool because, like Rami said, who wouldn't want their name or you know be a character in a story and get brutally murdered or whatever? Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and who wouldn't want a professional grade? Uh, copy editor looking over their work and giving them like a really thorough edit. Uh, if any yeah. of you, uh, we have listeners, we have listeners who are aspiring authors who have tried this before. And I got to be honest with you, one of the things that I see very commonly amongst, um, shall we just say like independent authoring of books, right? When we get to like the indie realm of, of book writing, a lot of times the editing is the thing that goes by the wayside. Because yeah. I see tons of, even just like, missing words or simple typos or, or grammatic uh, faux pas and things like that, right? Spending 120 bucks to get a bunch of awards, or I'm sorry, rewards, and to have a professional edit your up to 5,000 word copy, that is, that is a pittance. Insane. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. That is, that's like one of the best things on this list, in my opinion. I think that's just incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's a I, big I, deal. Editing costs money, so that's why a lot of that's why a lot of the indies uh, let that go by the wayside because a good editor does cost a bit. So yeah, yeah. I, I know a couple editors that are cheaper, but you know they still charge a penny a word. So you yeah, know, five thousand words, you're up there. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, so, it's just phenomenal to see all this coming together and hand in hand with that. For any of you that are listening out there who just want to be a part of the project and help out there too. There's pledges all the way down, uh, all the way down the line and including having both ebook and physical editions available. I think that's fantastic, something for everybody. So now this, of course, this episode's gonna go out to our prolific fan base. 
And there might just very well be a bump in your Kickstarter, which we are all hoping for. That said, let's play what if. And the what if here is, you know, what if this Kickstarter all of a sudden goes gonzo? Right now, right now, at the time of this recording, you're a little over 4,600 in of your 10,000 goal, which is great and excellent and wonderful. But let's imagine for a moment that it just explodes. If you end up with, let's say, $100,000 instead of $10,000, what would you do differently with this project? Or, or what kind of like stretch goals would you reach for? What would be your like blue sky uh, actions at that point? Oh, well, wow. Yeah, that's, it, we, we, we did talk a little bit about that kind of thing uh, yeah. very early on. And I think what it comes down to is I think this project is solid. Uh, and I don't know that we would want to put so much more into this particular project. But we, you know, we do not want this at Crack Skull Press. We do not want this to be our only project, right? We, this is not a one and done sort of thing. We want to do more um, and, and, and bring in uh, authors uh, and, and do anthologies or whatever. I mean, there, there, there's a... a a, a myriad of things we could do, uh, but we also want to ultimately uh, do what we can to feature talent that's not just Ohio-based uh, or in stories that don't just take place in Ohio. You know, we do stories from anywhere, right? Um, uh, my part of my personal goal uh, with Crack Skull Press is to uh, bring attention to uh, uh, voices in the horror community uh, that have not necessarily been heard at all or have been heard very little. Uh, and so to provide that, uh, that boost for them. I like nice. it. David, any thoughts on this? If this just absolutely explodes, what would you do? Yeah, so um, I, I think, so like uh, Randy said, we talked a little bit about what some of the stretch would be, what would come next and all that. And so I think um, really it's a way of jumpstarting the press in general. Um, I don't know that we focused in necessarily on whether we would do novels, continue to do anthologies. I think anthologies is probably always in there, potentially a magazine. Um, one thing I will add is that um, we did this as an invite only. Um, and so we don't want to keep that model. We want to create an open market for more horror writers. So. I don't know exactly what that looks like. And I don't think we know exactly what that looks like, but if this explodes and we have the money to open up a new market for more horror writers in the community, I think that really is kind of ultimately what we're looking for here. I like it. Nice. Rami, anything to add? Uh, yeah, I if this campaign suddenly exploded, if we went well past our uh, $10,000 goal, my first thing would be to pull something special out of my liquor cabinet <laughs> to celebrate. Um, but yeah, I and I would think that a lot of the money would go towards making sure that this is the best possible anthology we could put out, best quality, as well as quite the, the marketing campaign leading up to publication. Um, making sure that it's on every horror fan's lips that they're wanting to read it, that even the greatest names in the genre are at least aware of it, if not interested in reading it. And I think, um, yeah, I've, 
been up front with uh, the other members, with uh, David, Randall, and Ray, uh, that there are things that we can do afterwards. Um, I've been thinking specifically of anthologies and collections, but yeah, I would like us yeah. to be able to sock away a little bit for the next project. And I've been thinking of ideas for the next project, whatever form that may take. Um, nothing definite, just basically some ideas for what we would uh, theme it around. But it, I really uh, would like to see a new press um, evolve. And maybe as uh, Randall and David said, um, a new place for horror writers to uh, share their voices, to share their stories. I think that would be cool. I think that would be great. I love your empathy and your your forward thinking uh, about how to support the the author community because I think, you know, the written word being sort of like the first recorded medium that could be shared long-term over the history of civilization, right? Uh, I think we often in our ebook era take the written word for granted often. And uh, I love that you're thinking about how do we how do we pave the way for future voices? How do we get current voices that are in the shadows recognized? I love all of this about your endeavor. And I didn't, by the way, for those who don't know, like this is obviously this is not a sponsored episode of DCR. We asked these folks on because we thought it was a cool project and we wanted to get the word out there. Um, but uh, this is this is sort of like me coming to grips with the discovery of what these uh, of what this project is about and what you guys, the spearhead, are trying to accomplish. So thank you very much for doing that on behalf of all authors everywhere. Thank you for considering yeah. the voices that are yet unheard. Thank you for having us and helping us uh, make that dream possible. Let's ask some more frivolous questions, just really quick. So, um, you, all three of you, if, this is all about horror, right? I mean, this is the genre that we're talking about today. And I'm really curious, as a horror fan myself, I'm often curious about what is sort of like your seminal horror experience? What is what is a piece of horror media, be it film or the written word or even music that that really spoke to your soul and threatened to steal it? Like what got you to this point? Why do you love horror? What is your inspiration? Let's start with David. Sure. Um, so that's that's a really deep probing question for me. Um, yeah, you've got three minutes, go. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, so I came to horror like so many uh, in, you know, my generation through Stephen King. Um, but I would say um, what really grabbed me about King wasn't necessarily, it, it was his Dark Tower series. So The Gunslinger was the one that really, really spoke to me um, and this idea of um, multiple universes. Uh, it's a beautiful dark blend of fantasy um, that really, really captured my you know, little David's imagination at the time. And it was, you know, my, my father turned me on to it. My father gave me the first Dark Tower series book. Um, so there's some, you know, sentimental value to that as well. Um, I also read outside the genres, of course. Um, I think most of us do, right? Um, so I would throw in Sirens of Titan as one of my all-time favorite books and Childhood's End. 
And so if I look at those three things, for me, a lot of it is about challenging belief and challenging fundamental, you know, Sirens and Titan has a lot of religious themes in it, Childhood's End as well, Dark Tower series as well, challenging this kind of closed belief system that a lot of us grow up in and that possibilities are endless. Like the, there's no end to the number of universes that are out there. Everything is possible. Was that the answer you were expecting? That was great. No, I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, that was fantastic. Uh, Randall, same question. I don't know if I can top David's like, you know, David Green multi-universe thing here he's got going. That's awesome. Um, I think for me, um, I, I've, I've always been uh, a film buff. Um, I grew up uh, uh, going to a movie theater literally every single weekend of my childhood. Um, and it, it, that is not hyperbole. I, I did that. I went every single weekend. That is awesome. Uh, and if, if it was the same movie, it was the same movie. It's a little two screen cinema. Um, and it's no longer there, but for uh, for a time in Columbus, Ohio, uh, it was the longest running Rocky Horror Picture Show screen in the country oh, that's uh, for, for many years. Um, so for me, it was going to see films there. Um, uh, things like uh, uh, The Omen, uh, uh, not the more recent one, but the original Omen. The good uh, one. Da Damien Omen 2, which I think is the best of the original trilogy. Um, uh, you know, seeing you know, seeing Damien's uh, uh, brother under the ice, uh, you know, on, uh, on the lake was just amazing. Um, and then uh, Stephen King's The Shining, uh, the, the book, uh, the film, the original film, of course, is, uh, I think, a, a, a wonderful thing. Um, uh, but that book really got to me. Um, and uh, Peter Straub, uh, Ghost Story. I think those two books were the ones that got me the most. Excellent. Um, then I would have to say, in terms of any other films, Alien. Uh, oh, just, yeah. Just that's uh, that is my number one favorite film of all time. <laughs> nice. um, yeah, it's it's just the best. Awesome, Rami. All right, I am going to make all of you feel very old with my story at some point. I like it. I just like want to warn you in advance. I have that effect on people. I make them feel old. So. Uh, I also got into the horror genre because of Stephen King. I he, uh, was 12 years old, I think. Um, we were on vacation. In, and of course, we stopped at a bookstore because my family is a big family of readers. I was just coming off a huge Anne Rice bin and was looking for something being, uh, similar to read. My mom was like, Stephen King is pretty good. Why don't you try him? I recognize it because I'd seen um, the DVD of the of the miniseries uh, yep. at a cousin's house. So I bought the book. I did not realize I was getting into an 1,100-page <laughs> novel. <laughs> I just, but I started reading it, and I started imagining uh, Pennywise coming up to the window and sliding door of the of my room in the rental we were staying in and tapping on the window wanting to get in and get me and it scared me but I also loved it I was around the same age as the characters it during the flashback sequences so 
I really empathize with them and kept reading throughout the summer or finished it at summer camp. And I just sat there uh, at my bunk uh, at my cabin, just sitting there on the porch and was like, yeah, this is the kind of story I want to write. I've been wanting, I've loved writing uh, since I was about five years old when I was exposed to Harry Potter for the first time. I think there were only three or four books out at that point. See, told you I'd make you feel old. And I was already there, buddy. It's okay. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, I knew since I was 10 that I wanted to be a writer. That was uh, when I decided that was going to be my goal in life. But Stephen King and it, that really helped me solidify my path as a horror writer. And I've been doing it ever since i've been reading and writing horror ever since and i'm glad to say that at this point in my life i'm starting to uh see uh dividends that is awesome you know that and that kind of oh yeah those, those are great answers the it thing you brought the miniseries and i remember seeing that miniseries when i was in the sixth grade uh when it was brand new and on television um for our younger listeners it was not always the case that we had a DVR or the ability to stream anything. Sometimes you just had to be at the right place at the right time where you missed it. Or you had a VH, VHS recorder and you were recording it. And you were the only one in the house who knew how to program the timer. Yep. So there's, there's kind of a, a more existential question that I want to ask here. And this, the answer for each of you is probably going to be a little bit different, but it might not be because, you know, it's clear that you like each other. It's clear that you share values and things like that. But I'm, I'm very curious for each of you, why is horror important, right? Um, horror is one of those shared experiences. It's a, it's a genre, of course, right? But it, it's something that stays in our collective consciousness as a society. And I'm curious why to each of you, or is important or why you think it should be important to others as well. Um, Rami, let's start with you. Oh, I think that um, horror is important because it's a lens through which we understand the world, our own problems, our own fears. I mean, if you go back in time, go back to maybe the 1950s, people like to paint that decade as, oh, it was so idyllic and lovely and pretty he, uh, and everything was just so much nicer but there was a lot going on in that decade that scared the the crap out of everybody he, I mean you had, had the threat of nuclear holocaust you had uh, the cold war you had uh, um, and the, the civil rights movement was growing at that, that point and a lot of people weren't sure or what that was going to lead to, who, who people were, and that kind of reflected in a lot of the horror that was coming out, that a lot of horror was about, like, like you had, um, um, uh, what is the name of it? Oh my God, it's, I'm having a brain fart. It's the story where people get replaced by pods. Uh, body Snatchers, Invasion of the Body That's Snatchers. That's it, Invasion of body the Body Snatchers. That's a grip. Hate a metaphor for um, the fears of foreign invasions, particularly by communists. You have all these stories about giant insects like tarantula, which is usually a story about oh, um, uh, about the fears of nuclear radiation. Go back even further to 
the age of uh, the Regency period or the Victorian period. And people like to think those were such lovely eras where people were so noble, where people acted like on Bridgerton or uh, Downton Abbey or whatever. But there was still a lot of fears going on then. Science and industry were changing the world. Uh, things were changing at a global pace. There were new diseases that were being discovered. And, and there was Jack the Ripper too. And that reflected in stories of like Frankenstein of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Dracula, whose author is the namesake for the Bram Stoker Award. Those stories all reflected, reflected fears of, of a thing of the outsider, of science, of disease, uh, of whatever you who can think of. It was reflected there. Sexuality, too. Mm -hmm. Those are all good points. Those are great points. The The idea that horror is a lens through which we kind of like, we face real socio, uh, social and political fears, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's an excellent point. I was even thinking about how like I Am Legend came out in 1954. And so mm -hmm. that's that's an excellent point that the 50s, while viewed as sort of like the Donna Reed era, if you will, um, of like uh, idyllic family scenarios, it wasn't an idyllic world at all. Uh, yep. that's, that's something I hadn't really considered. Excellent answer. I Thank mean, you. And I mean, now you look at the stories of today's world. I mean, misinformation in uh, Slenderman. Is he real or is he, he just a made up story? He, the uh, pandemic fiction is still going strong even today. That's right. And Slenderman is real and he's played by Doug Jones. Mm. <laughs> you know, even, even things like, um, like we've seen a lot of the, the horror films coming out of Korea and, and horror series coming out of Korea as well, that even though they're viewed through an international lens, which lends its own unique thing, it's, it's also interesting to see a lot of those parallels and why they also capture um, an American uh, mindset. And I, I think that's a very cogent point to be pointing out, Rami. Thank you. Okay, Randall, I'm going to put you on the spot next. Why is horror important? Um, I, th I think for me, uh, horror is important because it's less about, um, a monster with teeth or claws, you know, that sort of thing that's coming to eat me. I, I think more about, um, uh, the evil that lives inside somebody's heart, right. Or in their mm -hmm. mind. Uh, and that that could be the person who raised you, or it could be the person that you married, uh, or that you are partnered with. It could be the, uh, the person that you're raising, you know, it could be in, in uh, uh, or it, it could even be yourself. Um, and you're on this journey of self-discovery, which is, you know, um, for me, I think horror is important um, because it, it's, it's born out of so many different things. Um, you know, there are threats that parents uh, or society uh, will uh, put out there for children or adults, for that matter of here's what happened, you know, they'll tell stories about here's what happens to bad people. Uh, and, and they're usually really horrible, terrible things, and they could involve a creature uh, or a ghost or something like that. Um, and so, you know, you learn to be scared right and, and 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 you don't even need to necessarily hear these stories because people are just you know children uh, for that matter are just naturally afraid uh of well 
what's in the darkened closet that I didn't close the door all the way? What's what's lurking behind that door that I don't know about? Um, uh, or, or, or what is underneath my bed? I don't know, right? But whatever it is, it's going to get me if I put my feet down. Um, but horror for me has always been important because um, it has been a way for me to uh, exercise my own fears uh, when I was when I was younger. Um, and uh, at the same time, it's important to me just because I enjoy the rush of being scared. Um, uh, I used to ride roller coasters. Don't do that anymore. Uh, I'm 53. Come on, I can't. I just can't do it. Uh, but uh, you know, I get that rush. You know, still from reading a really good scare mm -hmm. so to frame it frame it a slightly different way um where for rami horror is a lens for you maybe it's a light that kind of shines into that dark corner and reveals either whatever's going to be there whether that's something that's within yourself that you need to address or whether it's shi shining light onto that situation and revealing that either it doesn't have to be scary or that it's okay to just jump and laugh at yourself for that little bit of fear that you felt in that moment. Exactly. I like that a lot. Thank yeah. you. Okay, David, you know, you got two great things before it. So yeah. now you just got to knock it out of the park. <laughs> okay. All so, the pressure, uh, all the pressure, all the pressure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let me first say, Randy, I'm 50. I just got on roller coasters with my kids this summer. You can do it. Come on, man. <laughs> you are a braver man than I. <laughs> don't, don't listen to him, Randy. He can almost walk again. He's fine. <laughs> um, okay. So I have, I have two, maybe two components for why horror is important. Um, and I'll just say like the first part is that, you know, to me, there's a fine line well, maybe not just to me, but I think there's a fine line between horror and humor and they blend together really nicely at times when it's well done, like, um, you know, Army of Darkness, right? Oh, When it's really well done, the humor is just that much sweeter because of the horror elements that are added to it. So it just is, um, I think it compounds and amplifies the humor um when there's this horror wrapper around it um and i think part of that may come from my second answer which is um not everything scary is traumatic but everything traumatic is scary and we learn to process by reading and engaging in stories and so trauma can be detrimental to people and seeing stories of like the final girl last you know survivor um reading those stories and seeing people who go through tremendously traumatic experiences and come out the other side as survivors can be a very powerful force in people's lives absolutely so so because you know i already did the the analogy thing for the other two i got to do it for you too sure <laughs> so for for you for you, maybe it is to a point uh, a, a medicine in that it helps to heal. It also helps to acclimate to whatever the situation is, helps to adjust, right? It, it, is, it is still 
you, the person experiencing the story, who's, who's driving the change, driving the growth, driving the recovery, but this is the thing that helps it along. Is that a fair <laughs> boiling down reassessment? I think that's wonderful, Alton. Yes. Phenomenal. Thank you all three so much. It's, it's always so fascinating when we bring authors on to hear them talk about why their work is important. And, and, and we very much agree here at Dungeon Crawler's story is vital. It, it, it is the throbbing heart of the human experience. It's the way by which we process. It's the way by which we grow, the way by which we are able to look at ourselves and the world around us in a better way. And, and, and thank you guys for, for participating in that process and, and, more importantly, bringing others together to help share this thing with the world. So I know we don't have too much time left. And whenever we bring guests on, Krebs always has to do a lightning round with them. Uh, but this is a final call to you, the listener. Thank you for sticking with us and letting us get a little mellow for a minute here at the tail end. But pull up the Kickstarter right now. Go get it checked out. Uh, that which cannot be undone. Um, I, I believe you can also look it up by the creator as well, which is Cracked Skull uh, Press. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay, Did sorry. I, I put my notes down and now my brain is freaking out at the tail end of everything. But uh, go out, check it out, pick it up. Even if you can only pick up the ebook, come and support good artists, good authors, and let's do something great. And with that, gentlemen, I need to plunge you into the fiery pit that is the lightning round of Dungeon Crawler Radio. Oh, boy. Mr. Krebs. Krebs takes over. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate this opportunity to ask you absolutely uncomfortable questions in a rapid fire session. Actually, what happens here is I tend to lob you a couple of softballs or whatever, but uh, in truth, we've got three guests, so I'm gonna try my best to just kind of go through the list. I'd like to uh, start with Rami and work my way down to David. I will probably call your name first just so that you know, but just understand that I'm gonna ask you a question. I want a really fast, rapid answer as best as you can. And here we- Hold on. Yes. So, so you're throwing random questions to each of one of them. They're not answering the same question over and over, right? Uh, I, it, there are, I have two questions I want to ask all three of you. And then oh, I yeah. have separate questions I want to ask individually. All right. Just double checking. So my first, my first group question, we'll start with Rami and work our way down. But this question goes out to all three of you. If I ever travel to Ohio ever in my life and I only have time to stop at one place to eat, what is the one place I should eat at? And at what meal of the day should I get? Rami. Well, in Columbus in particular, uh, there's the North Market where you're, uh, it's just this big warehouse building with all these different little stalls selling all types of different food. You got a ramen place, you got a pizza place, you got Polish, you got, and, um, I think it's Ethiopian, and uh, you got a cheese place, you got wine, and it's got everything but, and the kitchen sink, and it's a lot of fun. My family always enjoys going there and grabbing a meal. So I say go to the North Market. Firefly, Firefly Bazaar in Columbus, Ohio. I like it. All right, uh, Randall, go. Uh, there's a place in Sunbury, Ohio. It's called Serve. It's S-U-R-V-E. Uh, Serve. Uh, it's amazing. They're just not open on Sundays. Um, and I highly recommend the All-American Serve Burger. Uh, I, I consider myself a burger connoisseur. You can't see it on camera, but if, if you saw the full me on camera, you'd realize I am a burger connoisseur. <laughs> All-American Serve Burger. Uh, it's the best burger I've ever had. Love it. David. Signatures Bar and Grill in Gahanna, Ohio. Get the pizza. 
That is fantastic. I love it. Okay, uh, Rami, what's your favorite color? Halloween colors. I love myself a little orange and a little black. And for those of you not, uh, <laughs> uh, for those of you listening at home, I'm actually wearing orange and black right he now. Is. He is. That is spot on. I love it. Uh, Randall, what kind of pet at home do you prefer to have? Awesome. Yes, you are a horror fan then, uh, because owning a cat is my worst nightmare. Um, and then, David, are you aware that you re you resemble actor Scoot McNeary? I was not, but I am now. Thank you. And then and a million dungeon crawler fingers immediately started typing on their keyboard. And <laughs> Scoot IMDb. McNeary. A whole I'm bunch of people just later myself. Uh, he plays a massive role in the fantastic television show Halt and Catch Fire. He's also been in several other movies, especially Westerns. He is a, oh, he was also recently in A Quiet Place too. Um, he is a phenomenal actor, both uh, main and character. He's excellent. And then finally, here's the final question. I asked this to each of you, in uh, like all of you. Uh, where do you stand on the 1983 sci-fi fantasy film, Crawl? <laughs> Ooh, I will remind you oh, you are being wow. recorded. Oh, the faces. Oh, I, there, there were three distinct reactions to that. And they, they are based on the ages that we heard today. Uh, they are exactly what I expected, to be honest with you. Let's start with Rami, 1983's Kroll. Go. I have never seen it. I don't think I've even heard of it before today. That is correct. David. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. No, thank you. No, oh. thank you. Oh my gosh, David. David, we just became so close right now. I don't think like, I've ever heard uh, somebody respond so kindly to Krebs. That's perfect. Even Laura Hickman was like, oh man, she like stared daggers at me through the Zoom call. It was amazing. Hey, but she threw out a completely different name for a show. She did. She threw out your Hunter yeah. of the Future, which is another exceptionally crappy movie that I just adore. Uh, Randall, your reaction is interesting to me. Where do you stand on 1983's Kroll? Uh, okay, so full disclosure. Yes. I had a broken leg at the time. I was laid up in the living room <laughs> on the couch. It was, it, was, it was basic cable, but we had the movie channel and that was in big time rotation. People um, didn't know how so bad opiates were yet. I saw, I have seen Crawl probably more times than everybody on this call combined, just because it was one of the only things on. Um, at the time, I think I probably kind of liked it, uh, but in retrospect, because I did watch it again, like I seriously watched this movie like five years ago, I, I, and I didn't even make it halfway through. I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. Um, but it has uh, Liam Neeson in it. Come on. Yeah. It has Francesca Honest. It has, oh my gosh, it has Freddie Jones. It has yeah. Alan Armstrong. It, it has, anyway. Uh, well, okay. So uh, Randall, uh, folks at home, you might not know this, but Randall has been listening to our podcast for a protracted period of time, which makes me very happy. Randall, if you go back to June of 2020, 2020, was that when we did that? Yeah. June, of, so. June of 2020. There is a 37th anniversary Kroll episode because I happen to be an enormous mm. Kroll fan. You probably has seen it over 50 times. Randall, I, he oh, made wow, me watch okay, it. So, you know, and, I've, made, I, and we made Alton watch it. Yeah, we did. Uh, so, we did. Well, Joshua, you did beat me. I've, I've only seen it 49. 
So <laughs> there you go. There you, you go. got me there. <laughs> well, one of the challenges that I put out in that episode was I wanted I wanted listeners to send in the reasons they didn't like Kroll, and I my guesstimate was nine times out of ten I could explain why it's actually something awesome. So. We don't have to do that, that we're not gonna do that right now, but I just want you to know the challenge is there because I believe that there are aspects of that film that I could point out that would make, this, this panel right here is so intelligent and so in tune with storytelling, I bet you we can find things that are awesome in Kroll and enjoy it just a little bit more. You know, the 39th anniversary is this year, so I did banner that. year. <laughs> How about we wait another year? <laughs> We're going to get I to 40th. We're going to get to 40th. All right. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on this evening. You, in fact, have survived the lightning round, which yeah. means it is time for Dan to sum up and send us off into the sweet abyss that is well, our evening. Well, uh, this is the final episode of this year, which means we all have to worry because, you know, Soylent Green was set in 2022. So with that said, that's, that's the next uh, episode. We'll be entering into 2022. Uh, go out, find that which cannot be undone. Uh, it's on Kickstarter, or you can also find it under Cracked Skull Press. Definitely support these guys. This is an awesome work of art. Uh, you know, we've had many authors come on. We've had other anthologies that have gone through Kickstarter come on. Uh, as as a whole, you know, listeners, dungeon crawlers, definitely go support this. Let's get, make this possible so that they can put out this amazing book. We can read these amazing stories and maybe, you know, maybe you'll find yourself hiding under your bed. Maybe you'll realize that the monster in the closet really was only a mannequin, or maybe you'll just have a healthy dose of medicine and everything will be just fine. Hopefully it's not opiates, but whatever. Uh, and then, you know, we can just maybe push off another episode of Kroll for another year. But with that said, we'll catch you next time. Dungeon crawlers, whether it's a light in the dark, a balm for the soul, or just that little bit of magnification that brings you an inch closer to your humanity, tell your story, whatever may come. And whether you are fighting East Coast sewer clowns or West Coast vampires, always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you. Always. Dungeon Crawlers.